Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Simsisms. Sort of. The grass is greenier. And I think the point, Mike, that you bring up with the grass is greenier on the other side and all of that type of stuff is just I'm, I'd said that deliberately. All right. That was not intent. Okay. That was intentional. All right. um, Damn it. <laughs> but like, I'll give you a get out of free jail card. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Simsisms. Sort of. It's a Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Welcome into Peacock, Sirius XM 85, if you're listening in your vehicle or elsewhere. Podcast, if you're listening later in the day, shame on you for not enjoying the program live, even if you have a perfectly valid excuse, like you live in a time zone where it's possibly 3 a.m. right now as the show commences, or our friends in the U.K. and in Ireland who get to see the show on a slight delay on Sky Sports. Hello, Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Christopher. How you doing, man? You know, I was reflecting last night on yesterday's show. Yes. And I need to apologize to you for the little squabble that we got into over your inability to recognize that Matthew Stafford kicked in Dominican Sue. I'm sorry if I was an ass wow that conversation this, this sounds like uh <laughs> your wife got in your ear and like saw it and was like you know th- you weren't very nice to chris there you know you didn't need to snap to that extent that does not sound like your own doing that sounds like that's what a, th- that that's that sounds like wife like putting some some conscious on you am i right or am i wrong here you're wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. Wow. You couldn't be more wrong. She doesn't watch the show. <laughs> Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Right. I was thinking ahead by about a week and a half and realizing that you have seen me. We haven't we haven't <laughs> been together since your little vomit into the trash can routine in Holy Indianapolis right, in February right. of 2020. Yeah. And I remembered how large you are and I thought it's probably time 
to back it off a little bit <laughs> because he's going to put one of those giant meat hooks on top of my head and just squeeze <laughs> and it's not going to feel good. No, so it's not. I figured it's time to start being nice to you until after we get back from Los Angeles and then I can go back to being complete ass again. Well, well it's too late. Anyways, you can't apologize and get out of this now. There's no way. <laughs> All right. And, I can't know, have a get out of free jail card. No, no. Get out of free jail cards. The the, DAC, the, the, stack, the stack is decked against you here on this one. <laughs> totally. A hundred percent. And it's like, it, whether you're a pain in the butt or not, I'm going to be so happy to see you. You're going to get one of those, like, you know, of mice of men, Lenny squeezes where I'm going to squeeze you hard and be so happy to see you. <laughs> did you say of myself man or yeah of my i think man? i think i said that of yes myself, i man. did yes right <laughs> it's been a long time since i referred to that book <laughs> here's here's my fair warning to you though yeah and this is my fair warning to anyone right who's in los angeles because we're still in a pandemic even though oh really a certain segment of the population has decided to just act like it's not going on if you get and I'll say four feet, ideally six feet. The the warning starts, you know, the beeping starts within you get six feet. Beep, beep, that. Once you get within four feet of me, I'm punching you. Just don't get within four feet of me. I will punch you. I will. I And, and I'm, I'm telling everyone now, it's not assault, it's self-defense. You get within four feet of me, and I am going to punch you. Damn. That applies to you as well. I don't want COVID. I don't want to screw around with it. I don't want to have it in Los Angeles where I'm 3,000 miles away from my base of operations and would know how to get it healed quickly and know which doctors to go to and how they would take care of it. I don't want to deal with any of that. You get within four feet of me, and I'm going to punch you. And you can tell me, lighten up, Francis. I don't care. You get within four feet of me, anyone out there right. within L.A., you want to test me, go ahead. Yeah. You get within four feet of me, and I'm going to punch you. Don't worry, everybody out in L.A. I'm going to test it. I'm going to go down those <laughs> roads. I'm going to have a mask on and be boosted and all of it, but I'm going to test it. We're going to see. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be great I'm going to wear a hazmat suit. I understand. Suit. I'm going to get, I'm going to well, hazmat suit. Well, yeah, I was supposed to say, like, is it, is it a little weird for you? You know, in the fact it's that. It's very weird. It is, right? I would think it is. I mean, you, you haven't been kind of out of your cocoon for so long, and now you're going to go into LA Super Bowl, and the whole world's going to be there. So I can imagine you're a little, you know, a little disturbed by it, or at least uncomfortable because you haven't been around it or done it in a while. I get that. I'm like the caterpillar that created the cocoon that hangs off of the tree branch, and I've been in it for two years, with some exceptions. And you here's, like it. That's why you love it, actually. It, well, I've changed. <laughs> I know. I mean, this pandemic has forced us to change, and I realized at some point in maybe May of 2020, I kind of like this. I kind of like not having to go places. I kind of like not having to be around people. I kind of like being to myself. <laughs> the people that I want to see come to the oh house. Oh, my gosh. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Here's my life. Here's my life. Once every three weeks, I go to get a haircut. Once a week, I go to the grocery store with a mask on, and I try not to make uh, dirty looks with my eyes at the people who don't have them on. And Are that's you, it. But you're getting more dirty that's looks. That's my than, life. You're, you're probably getting more dirty looks than, than you're giving out down there. No? Do, do you have a... Do, you, do people are people wearing masks in West Virginia? I'm not trying to judge or anything. Not really. No, no, yeah. no. no uh, so it, you're the weird it, it, guy. It's 50-50 at best. Okay. Here's, here's what happened. Yeah. At some point, we changed the rules to... 
If you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're not vaccinated, you do have to wear a mask. Right. So what happens is everyone who's vaccinated wears a mask and everyone who isn't vaccinated doesn't wear a mask. That's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that seems how it goes uh, throughout the country. You're right. I know. Hey, we're back in mask mode up here, too. And you know, you, with the Olympics and this building that I'm in right now, all the people we got around every day, NBC's doing their best to test people daily. We're staying on top of it. But, yeah, it's weird times. It's not easy. And I mean, I'm not shocked. You always seem like you had cocoon capabilities. I mean, you, I like it. I know you do. I like it. I know. I'm Don't not Don't judge surprised. me. I like it. I know. I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not surprised at all. I just, it, it's funny. It's gone this far. And uh, now, yeah, it is going to be weird seeing you. And now I am going to maybe think twice about coming up and hugging you. Cause I know how comfortable you are. And, you know, even though you're not real strong, I don't want to get punched. I mean, so we'll see how I, that goes. <laughs> hey, I may live out the metaphor I've been using for playoff football for the last two weeks. I'm Crispin Glover as George McFly, and you're Biff Tannen, and I'm going to curl up my bony little fist, and I'm going <laughs> to swing it, and I'm going to pop you one, and you're going to do a 180, and you're going to fall down, and I'm going to be the hero. So test me green giant i'm ready i'm ready to climb that beanstalk and run away all right there slugger all right i know right. slugger literally no Sl i you know, yeah. i'm kidding i won't hit you but i will hit anyone else who comes with him okay don't worry I'll, I'll hit anybody else too that you don't want to coming up i'll join in on the fun i'll be your personal protector out there good, good. i could do that i got a little longer reach and my jab might have a little more you know a little more snap in it so it'd be good <laughs> all right uh let's see how much of the show we've wasted eight minutes I've also detected in recent days, and I really went off the rails yesterday on PFTPM, and I kind of like it. People have been telling me I've become saltier, and I think the more that they express objection to me being salty, the more inclined I am to be even saltier because <laughs> my position is, look, my position is you're trying to be entertained. I assume that's why people are watching the show. I don't think anyone out there is watching the show in the hopes of getting news and only news. Because if you're only looking for news, this isn't the place to come to. We're trying to entertain you. We're trying to give you the news and analysis and understanding of football in a way that will, that will be enjoyable to you. So, you know, if you don't like it, there's plenty of other places you can go where all you're going to get is positivity. And as I mentioned yesterday to Miles Simmons, there's, there's networks out there where, hey, if you tune in at the right time, you'll find out that any given team and every given team is going to win the next Super Bowl. If that's what you want, if you want every hire is the best hire ever, go elsewhere. We're going to give it to you real. We're going to tell you what we think. And so be it. And, and yeah, if I'm a little salty, one of the reasons I'm salty is i got to leave my cocoon for 10 days and i almost said it that's one of the reasons i'm salty yeah i know i know you are I, you're you're always had a little salt and spice in you that's for sure you're the salty veteran there's no doubt about it but yeah you catch you on the wrong week or the wrong subjects you can you can be a little extra salty for sure and you know what you know just not to change the sub subject but i'm really shocked by the apparel today thursday that color Where's our where's our black shirt with our white stripe? I mean, that's what you I wear on Thursdays. It. You couldn't find it. I Somebody finally find it. washed it. Somebody finally threw it I don't it know in where there. it is. Yeah. No, I was running late. And the other thing I've learned, too, is the closer I cut the deadline to get up here and sit down, I feel like I'm, I, I feel like I'm better. I feel like the, 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 the more of I have that, that endorphin, I'm starting to get addicted to 
how how close I can get under the wire into the seat, I feel like I start to show better. Like if I'm sitting here for 10 minutes ahead of time, I kind of lose my edge. If I have to rush up to the chair, I feel like we can get off to you a good You got your blood start. boiling, so, you're ready to go. It's like you warmed so, up and you're ready. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I got you there. So I the got problem you. is I cut it too close today. I started to put on a dress shirt and and I wasted like two minutes finding the right dress shirt because they were all, they're all, it's a long story. They're all kind of like, on the on the doorknob on each side and they're stacked up like seven on each side and they fall off and because uh, i just put them there when i'm done rich people but, problems but then it hit me then it hit me oh wait i gotta wear a zip on thursday it's like crap and i looked at the clock and it's like oh crap and i just grabbed the first one that i saw and it's this one so so i wore this thing for you okay. all right Thank let's get you. to it let's kick off the show the same way matthew stafford kicked in dominican sue <laughs> with news coming out of denver according to the folks at nfl media nathaniel hackett finalizing a deal with the denver broncos to become the team's next head coach he was supposed to have a second interview with the jaguars today nothing like that to spur action elsewhere to make him the coach of the broncos and to me, far more significant than Nathaniel Hackett being the coach of the Broncos, which is indeed a significant achievement in the life of Nathaniel Hackett, is the fact that it is going to spark no doubt. days, weeks, until it happens or it doesn't happen, speculation that Aaron Rodgers is going to be smoking some of the legal stuff in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it, it's hard not to think about the connection right off the bat. I mean, of course, hey, I want to give Nathaniel Hackett, Nate Hackett, some credit here. He's a damn good football coach. You know I know him. His father was my quarterback coach. I thought he was really one of the best coaches I ever had in my NFL career or college. Either way, they got a great way about them, the Hackett family. Nathaniel's a, br a really brilliant football mind. He's been around a a lot of good football people. He understands what it takes. Had a little different, you know, coaching trees too. So he's not just like, you know, narrow vision. This is the way it's done. He's seen the Doug Marones and that style of football to go, wait, I can implement this, <clears throat> excuse me, into my system one day. As I've always talked about, I think he's, he understands offensive football in a big way. That's where I'm excited for the Denver Broncos because they have so much potential on that side of the ball. The other thing where I just look at it and go, great hire, you got a, a guy who's as even keeled and as good as it gets, and you talk about communicating and relationships. There, there's nobody better than Nathaniel Hackett. And then I think on top of that, too, when you look at Denver specifically, you go, well, wait, you know, back to kind of what you're saying. They got a quarterback issue, and this guy could possibly maybe bring Aaron Rodgers here because we know Aaron Rodgers really likes Nathaniel Hackett or at the very least been around a lot of guys and groomed some quarterbacks to where you go hey I, you know I trust this guy we need a quarterback in the draft or someone to pick out in free agency and maybe we don't get the star we want wherever whoever that may be this is a guy that I would put in that small handful of people in the NFL that's got a good eye for it and then understands how to go, wait, this is what the guy does, and I can formulate an offense around him that makes sense for him and us and everything that way. That's where I love the hire for Nathaniel Hackett. I'm really happy for him. I really am. And, and you know how the game goes. You know how life goes. Just like we spent 10 minutes screwing around talking about things completely unrelated to what we're supposed to be talking about, Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers in a room together somewhere, musing about their respective futures. Yeah. At some point, right. there's an intersection. <clears throat> At some point, there's a conversation. At some point, there's a hypothetical. 
joking around or not really joking around. And yeah, hey, Nathaniel, well, you know, depending upon where you end up next year, you know, maybe there's a way that, you know, we'll be together again somewhere, maybe in a place where they thought I was going to be this year. How, how much time together during the course of a six-month football season does it take to get to that conversation? Not too much time, I would think. No, not too much time at all. And, you know, a point you always bring up, Mike, too, is uh, these are conversations I, I would not be shocked if the agents had behind the scenes a little, too. To, you know, hey, you know, you know hey, good, the passing conversation – you know, what Aaron's thoughts, oh, he's not totally sold on Green Bay and going to be back. We're not 100% sure about that. You know, we know the place you're going is certainly on the radar. So I would think there's something there. I, I, I don't deny that. I got to think there's something there as far as, you know, again, just a possibility. Denver probably likes that aspect. And you know, this is, again, I think a guy that's it's really qualified for the job in a lot of different ways. I was Mike. He was a guy that I was afraid – might not ever get a job just because he's not he's not a political animal right he's not going to like stay in contact with people in the media he's not going to make calls to try to you know show his side of the story or show his resume so people will talk about him more or you know call other teams or jobs this is you know a really stand-up human being that i wondered at a time where i just went Man, is is he too good for the NFL to where maybe some coach, you know, some owner or whatever won't like it because he's just not going to be political enough to get his name out there and and get the the train rolling for hype, which we know you need in this type of situation. Uh, so that that's another area where I'm really glad to see it. I am, and I think it's a perfect hire for this football team. You know, their defense has got a lot of things in place. We talked about it a lot last year. There's a lot of talent there. It's all about the offense, and this guy's been a part of some really good offenses, and of course the last few years with Rodgers and the play that's improved from you know his side of the ball learning from Matt LaFleur who has so many of the Shanahan tricks and things in his offense but I do think there's something to Rodgers best play being around Nathaniel Hackett too Hackett's got a way of explaining the game in a simple way to where he can break it down and be like, hey, Aaron, on this play, you know, just read this guy. And when you drop back and play action pass, if he goes this way, you know, he can simplify it for the quarterback in their mind. That's the one thing that I always appreciate about Nathaniel Hackett. And his dad was very similar that way too. And I think that goes a long way for quarterbacks and offense to, to get on the same page and be successful. And, you know, some folks may be wondering, well, what would the difference be if he was working the angles to try to get himself into this mainstream conversation? Think of it this way. When you watch football games, and this will be relevant, obviously, come the 2022 football season, and it, it may be relevant this weekend as well, certain guys get mentioned by the broadcasters over and over again as future head coaches. Certain guys do. Certain guys don't. Yes. And that's not just happening spontaneously. No, that's it's the not. product of those people being worked right. behind the scenes by the coaches, by agents, by others. That's how it happens. That's how that agenda gets set. It just doesn't pop out of the ground. So you're right. Think of how many Packers games are on national TV and think of how many times that anyone has even breathed a word of Nathaniel right. Hackett being right. a head coaching candidate. Yeah, no, exactly right. I think that's the point you look at. He's just the ultimate good soldier that way. 
and he's not going to, you know, ruffle feathers or try to throw himself out there. He really is a guy of let my actions, you know, do the talking. And I respect that because, you know, as you said, there's, I mean, there's just not that many guys out there like that in the NFL right now. There is a lot of politicking to get to. Let me get up there. Let me talk to this guy who announces the game and, you know, let him know that I am looking for a job. And I appreciate how good he is at his job. And, you know, hey, yeah, any help you can give me just to give me a little love and, you know, boost my profile definitely goes on 100%, but did not go on with this guy. I know that. And And it's a thing, like I said, that I worried about, you know, that I just was always like, man, he might need to get his name out there a little bit more and be a little bit more aggressive. That's not in his nature, but I'm glad the Broncos were able to see, you know, the real picture there and that there's a guy here that's not into the BS of the NFL football world and he's really all about coaching and relationships and building a team, and I think that's where it's going to be really good for the Denver Broncos. And it makes sense if the Broncos are thinking about Aaron Rodgers because wherever he goes next, one of the realities is getting himself properly situated, properly up to speed, properly comfortable with everything that's going on there. So to the extent that Nathaniel Hackett's the head coach, that makes it easier. That makes Denver more attractive if there's any familiarity that Aaron Rodgers 100. thinks would smooth the transition. Yeah, I think that's uh, – I mean, certainly what, what I thought about. I mean, hey, you, you and I, we, we found out about this right before the, the show went on. So I haven't even had a chance to really wrap my head around – Everything he can do, the team, how it all goes together, you know, that this aspect with Rodgers. But that's where my mind went first when it's, oh, man, whoa, this is a guy that Aaron Rodgers is, you know, talked about, kind of stood on a table for a few times and talked about the things he's done for the offense and him personally. And Rodgers, we know, I think my biggest question with Rodgers, if he ever would switch a team, would be that can he go through that uncomfortable phase where I didn't doubt that about Brady and Manning. Like, Rodgers, I do a little bit, just because, again, he's a little different guy, as we all know, as we've seen, whatever. He's used to being the king of the castle there in Green Bay. That's the way that organization runs. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, here's the the red carpet. You run the show. That's what you do. So I did worry about his ability to adjust to a new structure and the way things are done. And now this is one where you go, well, yeah, it's a new structure a little bit, but they'll be able to get on the offensive side and of things and, and on the same side there where it'll it'll make sense a lot. And and Nate will Nathaniel Hackett, if a Rodgers did come there, this is where he's really good. He'll make Rodgers feel a part of the team in a hurry and make it all go together the right way. And I, I gotta think that's part of the thinking for Denver to some degree. And this is a topic that's been on my list of things about which to write at PFT for the past couple of days, but it's been a crazy couple of days. I'm going to get to it right after the show. Rodgers, I personally believe at this point he is eventually going to ask for a trade. I believe, and we heard last year, that the Packers had unofficially promised to trade him after the season if that's what he wants and the Broncos are one of the teams to watch, I believe. The Steelers are another team to watch. The Raiders, depending upon who they hire to be their head coach, is a team to watch. The Saints would have been a team to watch if Sean Payton hadn't resigned. And as we discussed, I think, the other day, Chris, the New York Giants, potentially, potentially, although we'll talk about this later in the program, a lot of the stuff we heard yesterday, I don't think they're going to be in the market. Doesn't for sound Rogers, like it, right? It looks like they're going to try to get the most out of the guy they currently have. But 
I think Rodgers, even though he said plenty of positive things about Brian Gutekunst on Saturday after they lost to the 49ers, I think he's going to still want out. He's going to ask to be traded, and we'll see where he goes. The one thing I also believe is to the extent that the 49ers would want to use him and maybe not a Tom Brady, not that Brady would want to do it, as the bridge from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance, I don't think the Packers are going to trade him to the 49ers for the same reason they didn't want to trade Brett Favre to one of their rivals in the division in 2008. They they just don't want to feed a competitor like that. And ideally, you get him to a different conference. And the Broncos, last time I checked, are in a different That's a real thing, conference. though. You're right. I mean, there's no way. There's no way Green Bay and Matt LaFleur are going to trade Aaron Rodgers to San Francisco and then, you know, have to deal with, you know, eating it the next year and watching San Francisco and Aaron Rodgers on their way to the Super Bowl. There's just no way that's going to happen. It's a real thing. There are real rivalries within the conferences for sure. Hey, I go back to Odell Beckham Jr., you know, even with the New York Giants. You know, from my understanding, there was, there was trades that were every bit as good from some of the NFC teams that matched up with Cleveland. And the 49ers, I think that was a real possibility to get Odell Beckham Jr., but I don't think there was any way the, the New York Giants were going to trade Odell Beckham Jr. to the 49ers. They have to hear that. They weren't going to do it. So that's why he ended up in Cleveland. But I think that's a very real aspect with these superstar players when you get to this point. Next thing on the radar for the Denver Broncos, and get ready for this. Once the dust settles on the head coaching hire, if it is indeed Nathaniel Hackett, team's going to be put up for sale. And that's become kind of an open secret. Team's going to be put up for sale. Bowling children, seven of them. They're not going to be able to work out the situation where one of them becomes in charge and the other ones are okay with it. So the alternative is sell the team. Now, one of the kids, Brittany Bolin, who I think had been identified by the trustees in charge of the team to be the best of the seven suited to run the team, she may try to put something together. It's going to take a lot of money, though, and there's going to be – I've seen reports of up to six groups trying to buy the Denver Broncos, but Nathaniel Hackett is the coach with this kind of vague promise of maybe getting Aaron Rodgers. And remember, January 30 will be the one-year anniversary of the Matthew Stafford unofficial trade to the Rams. These things can happen quickly. When Aaron Rodgers says he wants to make a decision by the start of free agency, what I'd like to say to Aaron Rodgers is, if you've not been paying attention to the way these quarterback deals have been done in recent years, now is the time to start thinking about where you want to go and start making it happen because seats are going to fill up. I think some teams would wait to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do before they commit to someone else. But this can happen well before the middle of March, as we've seen on multiple occasions. Yeah, I I would be surprised if it doesn't. I think Rodgers understands it. I do. Just, you know, again, reading between the lines, listen to a few things he said. I, I think he understands how quickly to make the decision for his own good, even if he wants to stay in Green Bay and have Devontae Adams and the right pieces around him to where, you know, they don't they do not do things to go, oh, you know, wait, we got to flip over the roster a little bit because we got issues with the salary cap or whatever. So I would think he'd want to get in, in front of it from that standpoint, even if he wanted to stay in Green Bay. And if he wants to go somewhere else, you know, we've talked about this a little, I think, earlier in the week. You, 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 you make the move, yeah, one, so you can get it a place so now they can acquire the same type of plan and you get rolling on the offense and get on the same page with the organization and now they can do the things that they need to do to support the new quarterback Uh, I would think he's wary of that and understands that and and I would think he's thinking about it right now Mike I really would I I wouldn't be shocked if we heard something about Rodgers and at least like 
uh, a stance on what it is with Green Bay in the next three to four weeks. I would think that's coming, whether he's, you know, hey, I'm staying or I'm going and okay. But I would be shocked if we're sitting here early March and we're still not sure what Aaron Rodgers would, is doing. I, I would be shocked by that. Nothing like watching the most recently minted Lombardi trophy get awarded to a team to really begin to accelerate the ideas and the objectives and the goals of someone who wants to get his hands on maybe the next one or the one after that or both the case may be so Broncos hire Hackett if that's finalized that leaves us with eight head coaching vacancies and I made the smart ass remark earlier about how you'll watch certain shows and they're going to say every hire is great every look at Twitter every hire is great oh this is great even if people don't even know the person oh what a great hire you know, at some point, you're going to have 32 teams with 32 coaches, 32 GMs. They all may be great, but once you start playing games, you're going to have good teams and you're going to have bad teams. That's just the way it is. Everybody can have a great coach. Everybody can have a great GM. You're still going to have good teams and bad teams for reasons unrelated to how great the coach or the GM are. That's just the way it goes. That's how close these games are. Yeah. And, and so we're going to constantly have a graphic like that with – Five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemazel openings every year. <laughs> every year. It's unavoidable. It is. I think what's kind of cool this year, Mike, is just the fact that, and again, Courtney or Kristen, uh, you know, back there, can we throw that last graphic up again? There's some teams here where you go, wow, these jobs are open with this team? With the amount of players they have? There's another reason I love the Nathaniel Hackett here, you know, because. One, the Broncos are set up. They're ready to go. This isn't like a rebuild. It's find the quarterback and kind of like, hey, we almost got everything else. And that's where I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to come come in handy. You know, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or somebody else, I think he's got the eye in the field to get the right guy in there and then make this work. Because you, know, you talk about the Broncos, the Dolphins. I mean, we know obviously the Raiders aren't far off. I mean, we heard Drew Brees, and I've heard yourself talk about the Vikings and some of the talent on that football team. I think that's what's a, uh, an, even Chicago with Justin Fields, that defense. You know, you got some young receivers and a running back that are pretty good. That's where I find it to be a different year, and that's where I think these owners need to be careful, especially with those teams I just mentioned, because they got teams that are. You know, that you make the right hire, we could be sitting here next year going, hey, look at this. This is a first-year head coach, and they're in the playoffs. And There's a lot of pieces set up with some of these, and I think that's what's really intriguing to me, and that's where I like this Nathaniel Denver Bronco hire. He's, I know, not an experience as a head coach, but experience, been around the NFL, and I think the weaknesses of the organization, Nathaniel Hackett now brings up to be one of the strengths, and hopefully that ends up being a strength on the football field. Not that long ago, Kyle Shanahan was a new hire for the 49ers. Sean McVay was a new hire for the Rams, and it's worked out for them. They haven't been thrown overboard yet, and they are responsible for one of the great rivalries now in the NFL. It never gets better than two teams from the same division who play each other twice per year every year, crossing paths in a conference championship game with a Super Bowl berth on the line Chris we're going to talk about the NFC championship game before we get into it though we need to hear from Sean McVay as he tries to explain the simple fact that Kyle Shanahan the last three years every single game has been living inside the head as the kids say rent free of Sean McVay here's McVay from yesterday 
what I what I do have is respect for these guys. They've done a great job. You know, you look at it. Um, you got to play well in that three and a half hour window that we're allotted. Um, you look at the last time that we played them, didn't finish the game. But but this is a really good football team. We have a lot of respect for them. But um, you know, we're competing and, and preparing to the best of our ability to go out and, and see if we can advance. But this is a really good team. Kyle's an excellent coach. They got great players, great coaches, good schemes, and so that's why they're in the NFC Championship. Six straight games, and most recently, oh. and 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 look, you gotta. It, it, both of these games are rematches of regular season games played this month, not in September, not in October, in January. Chiefs at Bengals, old Bengals won, and 49ers at Rams with the 49ers on life support. The Rams trying to win the division. And they ultimately did win the division because the Cardinals lost, but I digress. The 49ers down 17-0 came back and won the game this month, the last game before the playoffs started. Right. How does that not trickle over? It's like a continuation of that game, Chris. It, it, it does. It definitely trickles over. It's personal. You know, Sean McVay having to answer that question right there. I mean, do you think that doesn't piss him off? <laughs> uh, you don't think that's going to like make him stay in the office another two hours last night because he's going, man, I got this reputation that I can't beat the guy that I'm friends with and I work with. It's going to drive him crazy. He seemed annoyed answering the question right there. I mean, how many times did he say, like, oh, I re- respect what they do? He didn't know what to say. He's, I guarantee either one of these guys, if they were on the wrong end of this, this would be pull your hair out. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. And especially the way they have lost. You know, you look at the six games, you go, you know, other than the first game earlier this year where the Rams were a little bit in that turnover disease, Stafford threw the ball up to Odell, Higby caught a screen pass and popped it in the air and it got intercepted for a pick six. But all the other games, I mean, they're nail biters. It's coming down to the end. It's a field goal. I mean, it's as close as it gets. And the Rams have just not been able to find a way to get over the edge at the end of those football games. So that's where it's it's going to be testy for sure. And the fact that the Rams lost that game to end the season and the way they did it, up 17 nothing. You know, let them come back. Let the run game of Shanahan kind of dominate the second half to a degree. Uh, no doubt. I think this is going to be personal. These are two teams that are chippy to begin with. It's two head coaches that are chippy to begin with. They pride themselves on their teams having, you know, we've talked about this before, Mike, I, I, crazy guys where it's like, hey, I, I want a guy that's crazy and flies around. If I tell him to run through that window and that wall over there, he doesn't think twice and he does that. And they got a lot of those guys on this team. And it's, it's funny in that NFC West. It's like McVay can't beat Shanahan. Shanahan can't beat Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll can't beat McVay. They got this little three-way cycle here that uh, is very interesting. But I would think this is really personal this week to McVay. And he's sick of hearing this talk. And, you know, one of the under-the-radar great regular season games in recent years was an unexpected Thursday night barn burner between these two teams in McVeigh's first season on the job. Do you remember that game? I do remember. 39 yeah. in San Francisco. That was back when they used to have the late arriving crowd in San Francisco, which meant no one was going to the games because they weren't very good. This was when they were trying to build something with Kyle Shanahan there as the head coach. 41-39 
was the final. It was one of those, hey, it's football, it's on TV, it's Thursday night, let's watch it. I remember being down in my barn. I remember being transfixed by that game. It was back and forth. So we're, we were spoiled by the divisional round. We've been spoiled by this rivalry. We, it's, it's hard not to think we're going to get a great game between these two teams. It would be shocked. I would be shocked if this is not a one-score late in the fourth quarter football team. They know each other so well. They match up with each other so well. And, you know, of course, there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. You talk about the chess moves between McShay, you know, McVay and Shanahan. You know, it's, these are two brilliant coaches. You know, they teach their teams to be tough. I, I expect a great football game on Sunday night. I really do. And, and again, with the 49er fan base coming into L.A., you know, the chippiness of the Rams, they're going to not like the way they played or ended that football game in Week 18 Do you talk about. You know, the, the, the 49ers have been playing basically playoff games since early December to try to stay alive and get in this thing. Uh, I, I can't imagine that this won't be high drama. And, you know, two – you know, you look at it, and yeah, the 49ers, yeah, they got, they, they're a tough matchup for the Rams. They are. They are. They do some things, like we talked about a little last week, where we didn't see the Bucks do it. The, the, the 49ers will run right at Aaron Donald. They're very creative in the run game. The Rams want to make it a pass game and fly around and pass rush, and now we got guys dropping, and Jalen Ramsey's playing man-to-man and doing all that. And, of course, the 49ers are the opposite of that. Shanahan's the only coach in football where the game planning starts that week with, how am I going to screw the other team over in the run game? He's the only one that's like that in the league, and that's a bad combination for the Rams. But the Rams have continually gotten better at the end of the season. Only thing we questioned late in the year was how many times, Mike, did you hear me say, like, hey, the defense has got it going, the offense has got it going, special teams has got it going. I just questioned Stafford. That question's out the door right now. And I got to think the Rams have about as much confidence going into this football game as they've had at any point, you know, in the last year because of the way they handled Tampa Bay physically last week. And that's where I think this is going to be awesome. I've been trying to understand why I've got this mental block about the fact, and it is a fact, yeah. I just checked it, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay became the coaches of their respective teams the same year. Yeah. I don't know why I think Shanahan was there longer. And then I see the graphic with the Kyle Shanahan original driver's license picture looking like McLovin without the glasses, and I realize at least externally, the last five years have been much harder on Shanahan than they have been on McVay. And maybe that's why I think Shanahan's been there longer because he's gone from fresh-faced You're right. to grizzled, and McVay looks the same. And McVay does look the same. You're right. I mean, there's no grays. I mean, Shanahan, yeah, he's got gray hair. His, his, his beard is gray now. He's aged more than any coach I've ever seen in my life <laughs> over the last five years. I mean, he really has. He went from... Shanahan went from like, you know, young, handsome coach for the 49ers to like looking like the guy in the Dosa Keys commercial, like the most interesting man in the world. You're like, damn, he went from 38 to 61 in, in a matter of four years. Holy crap. Uh, but hey, this is where this is going to be awesome. This is this is where the game to me, when you have two great teams with a lot of studs and talent and stars on both sides of the ball, so many difference makers. And then you got. You know, you add to it the McVay-Shanahan aspect. 
Raheem Morris on the defensive side of the ball was also in Washington with the Shanahan family and back in Tampa when I was there with Shanahan. So there's a lot of paths that cross between these two coaching staffs, and that's where it's going to be really interesting. It is. Rams are a little healthier this time around. They'll be able to sell that. Stafford playing better. Akers is full go. So they're going to look at it and go, wait, we messed some things up, and I think we can find some new tricks in this game. And we can beat this team. We're not far off. We're every bit as good of them. We just can't make stupid mistakes. And we saw Stafford do that a little bit. Jimmy Garoppolo did it a little bit. It's one of those, Mike, where I sit here and as I go back and forth with who I think is going to win the game, you know, I get into the, a little bit of a thing that I don't like to do a lot of the times where I go, well, it might come down to the quarterbacks. You know me. I hate that crap. I hate it because it's a team sport and there's so much more to it than that. But this might be one where – Damn, it might come down to the quarterbacks. And not necessarily like who throws for 350 and three touchdowns, but who just makes the dumb, crucial mistake. And that's where, you know, sometimes when I think about this game, I just lead back to that and I go, wait, who do I think is going to mess this up? Maybe that's how I should just pick the game. Uh, be very interesting from that aspect, too. Or who's going to make the big throw in the big or spot that like too. the one we, that we saw right. Matthew Stafford make. Exactly. To cap the game after all the momentum had swung completely in the direction of the Buccaneers, Stafford uncorks that beauty to Cooper Cup. That's something that Jimmy G doesn't do. No. Jimmy G no. doesn't make that throw. Matthew Stafford does. So, you know, with Shanahan on Saturday night, I thought he had a very distinct Daniel Day-Lewis in there will be blood vibe with the way that he had shaved. And he was drinking some milkshakes Saturday night. He's getting ready to drink some milkshakes on Sunday. What do you think the chess match is then? Because at some point, at some point, isn't Kyle going to zig when McVay thinks he's going to zag? Isn't there going to be one of these games where Kyle says they're going to be loaded up to stop the run. They're going to think, this is how I'm going to screw them over in the run game. So I'm going to do something else instead. At some point, don't you have to switch back to Southpaw like yeah. Rocky and Rocky too? You, you do. You do. I just think what's crazy about this one is I think both sides know the zag factor, to your point, you know, for a lack of a better way to say it. They know how one team zigs, and I know what he likes to do when he zags. That, that's where it is really amazing that way. You know, Shanahan in the second half of the football game in the, in the matchup in Week 18, he found a few different wrinkles on the run game that gave the Rams some issues. Uh, I think that was an issue. The 49ers defense played phenomenal in the second half. They kept a few blitzes in their, in their pocket just to unleash in the third and fourth quarter where it's like, hey, you didn't see this the first half. And then all of a sudden third quarter comes in and they, they ran a few different defenses. I think that caught the Rams by surprise. Um, so, yes, there is that aspect. But I do think this is one where they know each other so well. Both are creative. And to me, sometimes, Mike, when these games go on, I look at Shanahan as being a little more creative than McVay. You know, if I give McVay an advantage in any department, I go, I think McVay's a little better at managing football games, right? He, he, he won't mess them up sometimes by just being overly aggressive. Where, but the other reason I just look at it sometimes in these games where the creative guy, it's just creative every week and boom, boom, and you just got to be ready for everything. McVay's a little bit of like, wait, this is what we do. 
And it's not always overly complicated, but I got some checks and balances where if I like to run the inside zone, we got the speed sweep or, you know, the cutback zone off of it to where you can't overplay those things. It's a little simple, but the formula works that way. Sometimes in these games, I look at that guy as having an advantage because you don't really know how that guy's going to zag. You go, well, wait, this is what they always do. We, we've studied it, and this is what they do. This is it. And it's that guy that's maybe a hair more simple that has the advantage in this game and go, well, they've never seen this. You better watch out. And I think some of that happened in the Tampa Bay game last week, and I think McVay had a really good game plan of packaging plays together according to the defenses to where McVay could, I mean, uh, Stafford could check things at the line of scrimmage. So, man, there's so many interesting angles here. I, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know if I can explain them all, and I'm sorry for talking so long. Maybe I'm blabbering. You know my, my standard rule. We've been doing this long enough. Anytime you think you're talking too long, you well, are talking too long. Because I know I am. Anytime I know, you but think I just, it. But I, but I thought it was yeah. fine. Okay. I think it's fine. In this yeah. context, it's fine because it's a complicated game to try to understand. Yeah. We're both trying to make our picks. Tune in 5 p.m. Eastern on Peacock and Sirius XM85 for the Joint Mega Picks podcast. But, but, yeah. at a certain point, I look at it this way. The Rams have so many great players. Yes. And if you have great players who are playing great, that's the key. If you have great players who are playing great, it becomes something that overpowers coaching. It overpowers game planning. It overpowers whatever the coaches may try to do to affect the game. Yes. At the end of the day, we just have a better team right. of players, right. and there's nothing you can do about it. I, I, there, the, I do. I hear what you're saying. The Rams kind of have that mojo. They do. And, you know, the fact that it, we've seen it all kind of just still come together. It's a little like Tampa last year where we feel like it really came together at the end of the year. And here is the playoffs and they're continuing to go here. And it's still at an upward trend as we go into the NFC Championship game. And you start to go, well, damn. I mean, it's good right now. Other than just stupid mistakes last week. I mean, when they played their A-plus football, you look at it and go, nobody had better A-plus football on divisional weekend than the Los Angeles Rams on both sides of the ball. And I think that's what is scary for the 49ers a little bit because I think it is a Rams team that realized even in week 18, they hadn't reached their full potential. And they messed a few situations up in that game. So they, I, I hear you there. And the, the Rams, I think, as, as a total... You know, you talk to take the starters, I, I agree with you. They're more talented. I don't know if they have the depth the 49ers do, too. That's what I think plays into factor a little bit in this game, too, and why the 49ers have been able to eke out the wins late in the game because, hey, Aaron Donald, he barely ever comes off the field. Like we've talked about in the offseason, the Rams are an all-star team. It's like they got 22 guys and they go, we're awesome with our 22 and try to beat us. But when they get in some of these, you know, fights – you know, alley fights with the 49ers. The 49ers got a little depth and they're a little bit bigger of a football team and they wear down the Rams. And that's a little what happened in that Week 18 matchup. I think back to, and I'm trying to just understand how Sean McVay is going to approach this and where he's going to look for his lessons. But I remember when the Cardinals and the Rams got together early this year, one of the narratives was Sean McVay has kicked the crap out of the Cardinals every time he's ever played them. Eight, no, you know, at some point that's got to end. Yeah, right. I don't know if he finds motivation, and at some point it's got to end. And one of the reasons the Cardinals finally beat the Rams, at that point of the season, the Cardinals had better team, better players who were playing better at the time. Right. So that's what I keep coming back to. Great players playing great right now. 
right now, not in December or November, but right now. And you see where the trend is, and the trend can change at any time. But you know, look at what happened on Saturday night. The 49ers had no business beating the Packers. No business beating the Packers. It was special teams failure in every phase of the special it teams, was. You're literally. Right. You're right. That allowed the 49ers to steal that game. Yep. And the Rams should have blown out the Buccaneers, avoided the somehow some way Buccaneers tie it up and 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 in so doing I think gave themselves confidence that they get into a tough spot they're going to access something that gets them through it and that Stafford throw that Stafford throw in the clutch in that moment when it was all going against the Rams that's the icing on top of the foundation they've put in place I'm talking myself into thinking the Rams are going to win this game just because even though Shanahan has mastered McVay and also, I think that that, that adds – like, at some point, it's got to end. Yeah, I got this you. This isn't going to continue forever. They're both too good at what they do. This isn't like McVay's some schlub. At some yeah, point, he right. is going to put in those extra two hours. Right. He is going to find that extra little thing that gives him an edge at the right time or realize, I don't need it because – I got a kick-ass team that's kicking ass right now. Yeah, I, I I hear you. And, Mike, you know, we talk sometimes, too, like what is the most dangerous team? Sometimes it's that team that, yeah, I mean, we know the Rams are talented, to your point, but they won a game and they made some crucial mistakes. So now, hey, we're happy we won, but there's still an edge in the in the building about, like, man, we could play better, and if we do that again this week, we're going to lose and not go to the Super Bowl. I think sometimes that's the best way to get through to a football team on a week like this. Like, hey, we won. We did a lot of awesome things, but we almost messed it up. So no one's going to be like, you know, leaning back in their chair going, oh, man, we're rolling right now. We're awesome. They're going to be a little scared and, and worried about fixing some of the mistakes they made in the second half of that Buccaneers game. Now, some, some things that I think jump out to me a little bit, and you, you made me think of them as you were talking there. I think there's some things the Rams can take from the Packers last week in that meeting on the defensive side of the ball and take it and so, oh, wait, the Packers did some good things against Shanahan in the run game. Run game never got off. And because of that, the offense never looked great. And if it weren't for the special teams, you're right. They're not going to win the football game. They're not. Rams have phenomenal special teams. They're going to be able to look at the Packers game and go, oh, wait, we can do some of this stuff. I have a hard time thinking this week, this game, Rams are going to go all in on we're going to stop the run, and if we lose because Jimmy Garoppolo beats us with his right arm, then so be it. But we got to see it to believe it. That's the approach I would be taking if I'm the Rams, definitely. And I also do, Mike, like watching back Week 18's matchup uh, last night a little bit on the offensive side of the ball, there were so many plays in the second half where the Rams, like, they run plays into looks where you go, man, you're going to run the ball into that look? I know you're well coached and you guys know how to block it, but damn, they got a lot of guys in the box and this is not the greatest run look in the world. They were a little stubborn that way in their matchups against the 49ers. Last week I saw adjustments when they got those kind of looks from the from the Tampa defense. Like, oh, you want to play stop the run here on the first or second drive of the game? And then you'd see Stafford do something like this, and it was set hut, and it was fake the run and play action, and the Bucks were all worried about stopping the run, and there's Cooper Cup running over the middle wide open. So I think that'll be a factor in the game, too, where McVay's going to have to know he's going to have to package some plays on the offensive side of the ball a little differently than maybe in the past against the 49ers. We'll take another deep dive into this game later today as we ultimately make our picks 
for both the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship. We're going to flip it over to the AFC side because it was just this month that Zach Taylor, the upstart coach of the Bengals, found a way to beat Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and company in Cincinnati. Can Zach Taylor do it again this time in Kansas City? We'll take a look at that next here on this Thursday edition of PFL. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's Day with gifts up to 60% off. I've got so much respect for him. Uh, you're right, the experience does factor in. You know, he, he's experienced a lot of situations and he's probably learned from every single one of them. And then there's, there's certainly a calmness on his end, I would imagine, um, because he's been there, done that. He's been there, done that with this group of guys at the same time. Um, but on the flip side of it, we spent a lot of time and effort talking through situations um, with our coaching staff and then, and then figuring out which ones we want to incorporate with our team as well that we present to them. Um, and so, again, I've got a lot of faith in, in our communication process and our players being able to handle uh, difficult situations that come up on a, on a moment's notice at the end of a game or end of a half or critical moment. I think we've been a really good situational team this year. Our players have handled that. And so I've got the confidence that we'll be able to handle those, those moments in big games like this. Zach Taylor, a year <laughs> removed from being the subject of rumors he was out in Cincinnati, is in the AFC Championship game for the first time, taking on Andy Reid, who is the first coach ever to take two different teams to four straight wow. conference title games. Wow. That is amazing. He's already a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that just, my just goodness, hammers it in. Eagles, 2001 through 2004, finally got to a Super Bowl in 2004, lost by three points to the Patriots. And Chiefs now, four straight Two straight Super Bowl appearances, a Super Bowl win, incredible. Helps to have Patrick Mahomes, but still helps to have a good team around him and a coach who knows how to put it all together and make it happen, and Andy Reid has made it happen. Unbelievable achievement, and now they get this one at home. In a year where home field advantage has continued to be not, and last week it was not for three of the home teams. It was for the Chiefs. And I think home field means a hell of a lot for the Chiefs, especially where they don't have to worry about Chiefs fans selling a lot of tickets to Bengals fans like they have to worry about in L.A. with the 49ers fans taking over SoFi. Uh, agreed. And, and where I look at this game to be maybe home field advantage plays a little bit bigger part in the game is 
the little bit of what we saw last week. And of course, I know week 17 they played and it was in Cincinnati. But what we saw last week, and that would that would be what scares me. And what I mean by that is the the pass rush. You know, that that's that's probably the number one thing you worry about if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan or evaluating the football game. I just go, "Whoa." Again, like we talked earlier this week, I've never seen a team go to the Super Bowl who got dominated like that up front and now and be in the, in the divisional round and now be in the Super Bowl, you know, two games later. That that's a different one for me. I mean, there's parts in that football game where if you didn't look at the scoreboard, you'd go, "Well, the Tennessee Titans are winning this, right? They're they're up by 10." If you didn't know the turnovers happened, and it was com- there was moments of complete domination by the Titans D-line. And that's where I would worry about the crowd noise a little bit here. Young offensive line in Cincinnati, not all that great, and we know there's some absolute studs on that D-line in Kansas City. Chris Jones, he's right out there with Aaron Donalds and Jeffrey Simmons is the best, you know, defensive tackles in football. Frank Clark is really damn good. Melvin Ingram has found a resurgence since he got to Kansas City. And that's where I do look at the crowd being a little bit of a, a factor in this one, Mike. And I've struggled with this one all week long, and fortunately I have a few more hours before I have to make a pick. The Bengals right now have that vibe of we don't care. Please pick against us. Please, it fuels us. We're ready. You don't think we're ready? We're ready. You think we're underdogs? We don't. We think we can beat anyone. I just feel like right now, I feel like the Chiefs, unless they have a letdown. Remember I said last week the Bills could have a letdown if they finally dispense with the Patriots one week, the Chiefs the next, and then they're the favorite again and they win a close emotional game, can they, can they get back up again for a team like the Bengals? I think that applies to the Chiefs a little bit after the way that the game ended and scoring with 13 seconds left on the clock, starting to drive with 13 seconds left on the clock, scoring with none to force overtime, and then winning the game. But it's the Chiefs. I feel like anybody, any team that you would drop into Arrowhead Stadium is going to have a hell of a time this Sunday. You get the 85 Bears back together again in January of 86 and drop them into Arrowhead, they're going to have a hell of a time with this Chiefs team. I feel like right now, just like with the Rams, it's kind of like, and this isn't this what we want? Don't we want the best teams to declare themselves yes. on the brink of the Super Bowl? Yes. And I feel like that's what the Chiefs are doing. And you mentioned the pass rush. Yeah, I mean, somehow, I, it, the Saturday games really felt like lesser team pulled a rabbit out of their hat. And I don't know that conference championship weekend is going to be an occasion for pulling rabbits out of hats or other places. Right. I, just, I feel like that's where the luck runs out. I, I, I hear you there. I do. I, I mean, I do think I look at it and go, the Chiefs, you know, as a whole, probably a little bit better than the Bengals. Bengals are scary, though, because of, of what you said. You know, they're just they're happy to be here. This is fun. They don't care. I don't think they even feel the pressure of the moment. And with this new age young athlete, the Joe Burrows and the Jamar Chases and the T Higgins, I just I don't know. They don't seem to feel pressure. It's just like Patrick Mahomes. It's just I, I don't it, it's like we went through an era in the 90s and the, the 2000s where quarterbacks were under pressure and it took a little while to get good in the league. And some of these young stars on both of these teams, they just come in the league like, "What? What's the big deal? It's just the NFL. It's still football. Who cares?" And then the Bengals do have that. And when you got stars, you know, you do believe in yourself 100% that they're going to make plays. Uh, but but to your point, I hear what you're saying, and 
other than that end of the game there where you know they lose to the Bengals in week 17, the Chiefs have gotten just better and better since mid-November. And I think they're another team like the Rams who have gotten better even since week 17 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, we're, we're over the phase of like, um, this is where it's a little different. Like, it's official now. Kansas City's offense, right? Oh, can they be patient? We'll be, we'll play, you know, umbrella defenses and play zone coverage, and they won't be patient, and they'll make a mistake. They'll, that crap's over. That you you play that style of football this weekend, you're gonna lose. I, how patient did you have to see Mahomes be the other night, or the game before that, or the game before that? It's been extremely patient. They got all the answers. He's playing as good as he's played all year just at the right time. They got Hill and Kelsey going. Uh, There is a little semblance of a run game where you can't just totally disregard it, just like we saw last week in the game. They ran the ball enough, you know, about 87 yards with the running backs. And what does that do? That leads to McCole Hardman's reverses being a little more effective, and he runs for a touchdown. So there is some problems here, certainly. But with that firepower on the Bengals' offensive side, and if the Chiefs don't change their approach a little bit from the first matchup, I, the, the Bengals could go in there and pull off the upset because of that, and that's what scares me just a little bit. But don't we think that Andy Reid and company will change their approach? I would how think mean, so. How can, how can you, for example, not double cover Jamar Chase? Please. How can you let yourself continue to do what you did in that game? Maybe it's good for the Chiefs that they they got burned by – and, you know, sometimes the, the established coaches, the attitude is you got to prove it to me before I'm sure. going to devote extra sure. resources to you. Well, right. Jamar Chase proved it this month. So I'd like to thank Andy Reid with all the pelts on the horse, on the wall, wherever all the pelts are. He's got enough pelts to put them on the horse and the wall. I, I, I'd like to think that he's recognized that he needs to, see, to stay to Steve Spagnuolo this week. We, we got to do something different to try to slow down number one. A hundred percent. The Chiefs were way too aggressive in the first matchup. That was their biggest problem. I, I mean, you know, again, we had a third and 27 late in the game, and they went all out blitz and left Jamar Chase one-on-one. He just throws the ball up. Look at all these. Like, these are one-on-one shots. You know, my, my assessment of the game a little, Mike, and this is where I think it's got to change to a degree if you're Kansas City on that defensive side of the ball, and, and to your point where I think you might be right. You get burned like that. You know you got to change some things. There, there's the two long Jamar Chase touchdown passes. The one we showed there, we caught the little out route and split everybody and ran for a long touchdown. And then there was one in the third quarter where he caught one, you know, in the cover two hole up the left sideline for a long touchdown. They played, you know, zone coverages there. And here, like, you know, I think this scared Steve Spagnuolo. Like, oh, man, I can't play zone. He's going to get a completion, and then they're going to run after the catch. But this didn't happen a lot in the football game. And as you even saw in that replay there, there was people there for Kansas City to make the tackle. They just didn't converge and make the tackle. There, My biggest thing, what I would say to the Kansas City Chiefs is, if you blitz and play over-aggressive and man-to-man against this group in Cincinnati right now, then you're playing with fire. And your butt's going to get torched in this game, and you're going to be in a shootout. When I watch it, just like the Titans last week or Kansas City, when they played zone for the most part, other than those two plays I just explained, 
Why wouldn't you want to play zone? First off, you don't let Joe Burrow just go, wait, one-on-one, let me find my matchup. Oh, boom, Higgins, Chase, Boyd, whatever. So zone, you make him think. The other thing I would say, too, is zone, he gets to drop back. He's got to read things out. And what does that do, Mike? It lets the pass rush get home. Wait, he's he's got to read it. He's got to pat the ball once, get to the second read. And in that game there, they were so close to causing disaster, that Chiefs D-line, and hitting Burrow and strip sack fumbles. So many times they were. I really felt like they gave them the get-out-of-jail-free card, as we like to say, with blitzing and then Burrow going, wait, I know I got to get it out fast, so let me just find the matchup. And to me, that's where Kansas City's got to change. I I know Kansas City wants to play man-to-man, and their, their secondary's got some good players, but you can't match up with these freak shows in Cincinnati, and they better not do that again, or they'll be looking at Joe Burrow throwing for 400-plus yards in their stadium in an AFC championship game. What we saw on Sunday night from the Chiefs' defense was the ability to take away Stephon Diggs, who yeah. had three catches for seven yards, but they got torched by Gabriel Davis. And one of the things Joe Burrow realized after they went on the road and beat the Ravens, that was when he first noticed, he told me this later in the year, that defenses were taking away Jamar Chase. So I got T. Higgins. I got Tyler Boyd. We can run the ball, whatever. I, I, and that, that, you know, it all comes down to you got 11 guys on defense. You decide how you're going to deploy those assets, and there's going to be a hole somewhere. And, and my concern for the Chiefs would be if you overcorrect to take away Chase, like they apparently did, and I assume you've studied the film carefully to look at how they took away Stephon Diggs, it creates an opening for someone to be Gabriel Davis on Sunday night in Kansas City. Yeah, it's, it's, the Chiefs have that in their DNA. Uh, I, I've seen enough film of, you know, they can double people in certain situations. And I think to your point, you do do that at times. It's a calculated risk. You got to have a little bit of a feel for, oh, the down and distance and the formation. And, okay, I got a pretty good feel with what they like to do in this situation. So now let's double Jamar Chase. Let's do it here because I think this is a play in a formation. They might, the ball, the ball's going to him or he's at least the first read in the offense. But you're right. There's pose other problems down the line with matchups there. You do have to be careful. You can't continually do that. Or you are going to get burned by Boyd or T. Higgins at some point. You know, last week, Mike, oddly enough, and I, I talked about this on my podcast yesterday, other than one or two plays, they didn't double Stefan Diggs. I, I was expecting to see that. You know, there were some times where they played cover two to his side. Really, it was weird. It was one of those games where it kind of just fell into the lap of Gabriel Davis. And I'm not trying to take away anything from him or anything. I'm just saying where there was plays where, you know, Diggs was the first read and, you know, it just didn't work out. And the second read was Gabriel Davis and he just ended up being wide open. But it wasn't like special attention, like, oh, we got to double this guy every third down and all that. I was surprised by that. And having said that, what I will say, as much as I respect Diggs, he ain't Jamar Chase. So you better have a plan. Jamar Chase is arguably the best receiver in football. He's in that conversation. He's in the room with all those guys. Him, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, you know, who, Justin Jefferson, who else? Devontae Adams. Man, Jamar Chase, you tell me a guy who can do this in football right here. The only guy I can see this right here is Tyree Kill. Are you kidding me? The Chiefs defense with Jerry, a Sneed, Thornhill, those guys are 4-3, 4-2 guys. They couldn't catch him. Nobody does that to the Chiefs. 
You don't see the Chiefs let up short completions and a guy run for a 70-yard run after the catch. This is a different animal in what they're dealing with. So they got to almost treat him like they may probably treat Tyree Kill in practice at times and, and do give him some special attention in some big situations or you're going to see a lot of this right here. And I think that's the reality. You need to accept the fact that, that the Bengals do have the guy who can be the answer to Tyreek Hill. And the good news for the Chiefs defense is they have seen this. They have dealt with this. They have been That's burned right. by it in practice That's for right. years now. Let's hear a little bit from Andy Reid on the Bengals beating the Chiefs in Week 17 and what relevance, if any, that may have to Sunday's game. Yeah, Darren, they made big plays on us. And um, and both both sides of the ball where they, they were able to slow us down and um, – and then pick it up on the offensive, their offensive side. And um, so, you know, we've got to do a better job all the way around. Uh, special teams include. We, we, every phase can be better. They beat us. I mean, they, it wasn't a fluke. I mean, they beat us. And so they're a good football team. I guarantee you somebody was saying, hey, coach, they really want us to sit in front of the the big curtain with the logo and the trophy and the sponsorship logo. You know, like we saw with Shanahan or McVeigh, and we saw it earlier with Taylor. And he was like, I, I'm, I'm, you want me to do this? I'm sitting right here. Yeah, I'm not right, leaving. Right. I got a I'm burger here. I got, I'm watching I got film. a burger I got here. here. <laughs> I got a piece of cake here. Right. I got my film. You want me to do it? You, you just turn on the cam. I'm just turn on the camera and let me do it, and so I can get back to eating my lunch. I'm not I did wonder. Sit in front of I was curtain. like, "Where's the where's the the backdrop?" <laughs> I, I really did. It's the first thing I wondered because I love the championship game backdrop. I do. There's something about it where I just start to feel the nostalgia and oh my gosh, here we go. Oh. We're getting so close. What he did. He did. He did do one in front of the backdrop. Courtney says. Oh, so he did do it later. Narrative. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it better to think the coach Reed said. <laughs> he pulled the no, power I'm play. No. Yeah. I'll use that thing as a napkin. I'm not using it as a background. Yeah. Well, to to what he said there, I mean, they they did. They got beat. They got beat, and they let a quarterback and an offense get on fire with some of the defensive calls we we talked about. The other thing too is. You know, this is an aspect of the game. The second half, like I looked at that game, and you go, well, what did the Bengals really do? To what did they change? Because the Chiefs did whatever they wanted in the first half, and the second half, what happened? You know, the Chiefs got a little off kilter on one or two drives. They only had the ball three drives in the second half. Can you believe that? Three, three, three times, which is pretty amazing. But the other thing that I thought was a big difference in the game in the second half, where I don't think this happens this time around. And I'm not sure everybody remembers this. The Chiefs were banged up on the offensive line in that football game. Joe Thune, Tooney had to play left tackle. Remember, Orlando Brown got hurt in pregame warmups, I believe. Lucas Niang got hurt at right tackle early in the football game. So they had to juggle some things around there. And the one thing that jumped out to me about the second half of the game was Hendrickson gave Tooney some issues in the drop back pass game and made Mahomes have to scramble and move 
and not stay within the rhythm of the offense, and that led to them you know, not driving the ball and, and getting a whole lot of points that way. So that was one thing that certainly jumped out to me where I go, that's not going to happen this time. The, ba- the, the Chiefs' O-line is healthy. They're ready to go, and they're the, one of the best pass-protecting O-lines in football. So that's where the Bengals are going to have to do a little zagging zigging and zagging on their side of the ball. And I have seen that over the last few me- weeks, Mike. Uh, the last two playoff games, the Bengals have changed some stuff up and become more creative on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's going to come in very handy if they want to try to pull off this upset in, in Arrowhead. Nothing like having a great young brash team to really motivate the coaches to be creative, to put in the time, to put in the effort, to have confidence that they can bring into – the meeting rooms and bring on to the practice field different right. concepts that they they know their guys can execute even if it hasn't been something they've done all year long. So a couple of great games Ooh, I coming can't up wait. on Sunday and everybody else trying to get to the position where they're playing in these games next year, including the New York Giants. Their new general manager meet the media met with the media yesterday. Meet the media. Easy for him to say. We'll hear what his plans are at the most important position on the field quarterback what are they gonna do we'll talk about that next on pft live big blue g man NetCredit is here to say yes because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off.